We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. In the hands of waiters, three seconds left for three in the win. Yes! To another edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast, Nick Whalen back with James Anderson for part two of the 2020-2021 NBA over unders pod. James, as we as we outlined uh, on Wednesday with the Eastern Conference, uh, we're not doing win totals this time around. Those were not posted. Instead, we get win percentages. Uh, that is, of course, due to the uh, possibility, uh, maybe even likelihood, that not every team ends up playing the full 72 games. Uh, this season. But nevertheless, we begin alphabetically with the Dallas Mavericks, a win percentage of 57.3 last season. That was an 82 game pace of about 47 wins. I'm a little surprised this number comes in uh, as low as it does. 57.5 is the win percentage. So virtually the same as last season. That puts them, of course, again, on a 47 win pace in 82 uh, and a 41 win pace over a 72 game season. Even with Kristaps Porzingis out to begin the year, I know you and I both like this over quite a bit. 
Yeah, I, you know, I think I'd probably go over even if I knew that Porzingis was going to barely play this season. And right. he he might barely play. Like, I, I don't trust his health really at all, uh, especially kind of in the short term. Um, but Luka Doncic is, has entered that kind of LeBron James, James Harden tier where when he's on the court, you're just going to have an elite offense and he can kind of drag any team to the playoffs. But I think this team is pretty talented around him. And I think that they've got some pretty solid depth. Um, you know, they, they made some moves. I think they had a good draft. They, they obviously made the Josh Richardson, Seth Curry swap, um, which I don't, I think that might help them a little bit in the playoffs defensively. I don't think it'll really help or hurt them during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, I love this team. I love that the way that the, the roster's been constructed. They've got one of the best coaches in the game, so I, I thought it was a pretty easy over. Yeah, I was going to say almost the exact same thing about Luca, where I, I don't know that it even matters who you put around him at this point. And even without Porzingis, it's a formidable surrounding cast. You know, it, it's not a championship level uh, surrounding cast quite yet. But I think even in year three, he's reached, like you said, that LeBron type of territory where he just you know, he raises the tide so high for this team. And, uh, you know, he has some durability concerns of his own, but when he's out there, they have a chance to beat every single team in the league on any given night. So, I mean, he alone to me is is worth this over. I'm not super concerned about Porzingis missing a lot of time at the beginning of the year. It it sounds like that could only be a week or two, but it's not like he comes back and then he plays the next 60 games straight and you don't have to worry about it. That's, I think that's where some concern comes in. But they do get Dwight Powell back. You know, they brought back Willie Cauley Stein, uh, who barely played at all last season. I, I didn't love on the surface like the Richardson for Curry swap. I think you know the fact that you're sending out a like 45% volume three-point shooter, a guy who fits really nicely around Luca, um, that that's a bit of an issue. But like you said, I think I think long-term in the postseason, getting a two-way guy in Richardson is great. And you also add one of our favorite players and, and perhaps your favorite overall player in the draft in Tyrell Terry. I mean, one, how, how surprised were you that he slipped all the way to round two? And then two, how glad were you that he ended up in Dallas? Uh, I was a little bit surprised. I honestly, I wasn't that pumped about him ending up in Dallas. Like I, I, the, the Mavs are one of my favorite teams to watch. So that part of it's nice, but I think there's definitely kind of a, a ceiling on what we can expect from him anytime soon. Uh, just in terms of like, he's never going to be able to kind of emerge as like a legit, like secondary ball handler. I don't think, um, I think they're just kind of going to ask him to do what Seth Curry was doing, which he's certainly capable of doing that. I mean, I think he, Mm -hmm. he projects, you know, you rarely say this about a a prospect, but I think you can project him as a guy that's going to be an over 40% shooter from three in the NBA. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, like him being on this roster didn't really impact my my pick here just because he's a, a rookie. He was a, a freshman. Like, yeah. I don't expect him to be awesome in year one. But, um, I mean, he he's definitely going to have a chance to sort of get the most of his abilities with Rick Carlisle and everything there. But, um, you know, I, I just think, like, Maxi Cleaver is a guy that I, I love. Dorian Finney-Smith, I think, is, is always underrated as uh, just a, a nice – piece that that fits well next to Luca um Mm -hmm. yeah so I I just think they've got enough 
depth that if they have to be without Porzingis for a, a long stretch at some point, um, they'll be able to withstand that. You know, Willie Colley Steins, like he's not great, but he, he's big and mm-hmm. he can kind of fit into that that role uh, on defense. Um, the the thing I worry about with Porzingis is more just, you know, any kind of tweak and they're going to keep him out for at least a couple of weeks, right? right. So um, I, I think they're, they should be managing him with only the postseason really in mind. Like that that's the only yeah. thing that matters with him. I mean, if they end up not having home court in the first round, but they get a healthy Porzingis heading into the playoffs, I think that that's a worthwhile trade-off. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially for teams that have – some playoff experience like Dallas got last year. Uh, I, I think we're going to see an extreme shift toward, you know, making sure everybody is at full strength for the playoffs. I, I think, especially with the, the unlikelihood that we're going to have fans at least, you know, full arenas by the time the playoffs roll around it. I don't think there's going to be a massive emphasis placed on home court advantage. Let's move to the Denver Nuggets. 63% win percentage last season. That was a 52 win pace over 82 the number drops a little bit. It's at 60.5. That would put them on pace for 50 wins in an 82-game season, 44 wins in a 72-game season. We're starting off two for two, both going over on this one as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm less confident in this one than I was with the Dallas over. I think that they definitely have the talent to go over, um, and they have continuity that a lot of teams don't have. I think the Michael Porter, like this is the year where they're going to kind of let Michael Porter become the clear third option mm-hmm. on offense. And I just think that there's a chance that that kind of rocks the boat a little bit. Um, you know, if he kind of embraces the fact that he's the third option, then I think everything will be fine. But if he starts, you know, kind of trying to t- take over, um, you know, Jamal Murray proved, I think, last year that he should be the, the guy that has the ball in his hands um, right. when the chips are down. So I, I, I just I'm, I'm interested to see how that whole dynamic plays out with Michael Porter moving into a, a prominent role on this team. Uh, defensively, you know, he, he's got a long ways to go. But just having Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and um, a bunch of guys that are used to playing with those two with, you know, same coach and everything like that. Um, they always seem to, to beat their over under, um, and that might have something to do with the, the altitude situation when they have their home games. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'd go over, I'm not, I don't love it, but I think that they, they did fine. And, and I mean, the, the Jeremy Grant departure, it, it seems like a bigger deal based on how good he was in the playoffs, but in the regular season, it's not like he was that same guy. Uh-huh. And I think getting Jermichael Green, I think, is, right. is a fine uh, kind of lateral move in the regular season. Right, exactly. I was going to say the same thing about Green. I think that was one of the better underrated moves this offseason. I think the combination of adding him plus playing Michael Porter, you know, maybe twice as many minutes in the regular season, I think more than makes up for what you're losing with Grant. I mean, their biggest advantage, altitude aside, is you have two stars who – are for the most part extremely healthy, especially Jokic. I mean, Jokic almost never misses games. So, you know, when he's out there, kind of like Luka, you have a chance to beat any team on any given night. I, I think it's interesting. Jamal Murray is tied for the highest odds to, or lowest, whatever, best odds to win most improved player. I don't think that's happening because 
Michael Porter's on this team. Like whatever, whatever momentum there is for Jamal Murray to win that Michael Porter, I think is going to prevent him from, from taking that leap. And, and ultimately that could maybe be a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I think Michael Porter would be more likely to win that award yeah, right. than Jamal Murray. <laughs> um, right. I, I mean, I, I love Jamal Murray, but I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to get that award. The NBA season is almost here. That means fantasy basketball draft season is already underway. Test your skills against some of the best fantasy players in the business by joining the Rotowire Online Championship for your chance to win $10,000. That's $10,000 American. You can play against Rotowire experts like myself, Alex Barutha, James Anderson, Shannon, baby Kevin Love McEwen, and even Ken Kreitz. I have a draft coming up this week. Very much looking forward to it. Can't wait to grab R.J. Barrett in the third round. Hopefully he's still there. This will be my fourth year playing in this contest. It's always one of my favorites. Year in, year out, it's the most competitive league I play in. You're really never going to find guys who aren't setting lineups, aren't bidding on free agents, you know, not doing the things that any league manager should do. Really never a concern with these NFBKC leagues, which is awesome. If you think you have what it takes, sign up now by visiting rotowire.com and clicking the $10,000 Rotowire Championship link it's right on our homepage. You can't miss it. All right, the Golden State Warriors. Win percentage of 23.1 last season. That was a 19 win pace. We can pretty much throw that out the window for a number of reasons. The number now sits at 54.5. That puts the Warriors on a 45 win pace over 82. 39 wins over 72. And we have our first disagreement. You're going over on 54.5. I'm going to go under. Yeah, I again, I, this isn't one that I feel amazing about, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy into the idea of Steph Curry being kind of 95% of what he was, um, and I think that that's still good enough to carry this team. And I, I think that the pieces, like they were obviously awful in the what was that four games that Curry played last year, yeah, four and a half, but. Yeah. You just have such a different cast around him. I mean, um, like D'Angelo Russell was a complete disaster there defensively. Uh, you didn't have Wiggins or Oubre or Clay, obviously. So it was kind of Curry, Curry and unmotivated Draymond and a bunch of like replacement level players. And I just I don't think that'll be the case this year. The the big question to me is just what is Draymond's true talent level at, at this Mm -hmm. point, because, you know, he obviously wasn't trying very hard last year, but he was just so bad. Uh, He's been so bad offensively for a while now. Um, I don't think that that's going to necessarily change. Like obviously if he's playing with better players, then his deficiencies on that end won't be as glaring, but can he still be an all defense level player? Like, I think that's, that's a big thing. I mean, if, if he is that guy, then I feel a lot better about going over. If he's kind of a shell of himself, that could be a problem because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't think you can expect much from James Wiseman as a rookie. Right. I mean, not only did he barely play in college, but he's going to miss the entire preseason. He's not going to have a summer league or anything like that. So yeah, uh, I, I think they need Draymond to be something of a defensive anchor. Uh, for them to, to go over. Um, so I don't feel great about it, but I, I love the length that they have. I mean, you can go Wiggins, Oubre, Draymond, 
Wiseman, I don't know of any other team that can match that length two through five. And so I think they, they can be a really solid defensive team if we're getting mm-hmm. kind of close to prime Draymond on that end of the court. Um, but I mean, it, it does sort of hinge on, on Curry and Draymond. I'm, I'm kind of more of a believer in Curry than I am Draymond, but I still, I think if we get a healthy Curry this season, he doesn't get hurt. I think they will just go over because I think he's still that good. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I don't feel great about it. Yeah, you outlined a lot of my concerns, you know, at Draymond first and foremost. I mean, I, I think we need to just write off the the possibility that he's ever going to be even like a 33% three-point shooter. Like it, It's been five years since he was yeah. respectable from three. That's not happening. I, I'm more confident that he can come back and be great defensively. But at the same time, you know, he was he was so great, you know, within that scheme, you know, kind of doing everything, you know, helping other guys, protecting the rim, running the floor. Uh, so many of those guys that he clicked so well with are gone. Basically, everybody's gone except for Curry. So, you know, the, the one concern of mine that that's maybe the biggest of all that you didn't hit on is is just how horrendous this bench is. I mean, they, they brought back Kent Bazemore, and I was like, wow, that's an awesome addition. Like, that that speaks to the kind of depth that we're dealing with. I mean, you get beyond that starting five, which I, I really do like quite a bit. Like, on paper, that's a pretty solid starting five, especially if Wiseman hits the ground running and, and is maybe more ready than we expect him to be. And obviously his upside is pretty high, but I mean, you're expecting a lot out of Juan Toscano, Anderson, Eric Pascal, Jordan Poole, guys who for the most part, other, other than Pascal were really, really bad last season. So, you know, not only is there a concern that if Curry misses a stretch of 10 games at some point, you know, this team could completely crater, but even if he stays healthy the entire year, you know, there's still going to be 15, 20 minutes where he's not out there where you, you need to lean on these guys and, I just have some pretty major concerns. I will say, I, I think I think Curry's going to come back and be Curry. I, I'm not too worried about that. I, I think the you know I mean, the injury last year was was a hand wrist thing, kind of a freak injury, got landed on. You know, it's not like he's coming off of a an ACL and an Achilles or like like Clay will be next year. I'm not worried about him. I, I just think at the end of the day, they they don't have quite enough. And if he if he does get hurt again, that's kind of where the issues will come. I, I think he'll be fine from like a basketball perspective, but. I'm not convinced that he's going to hold up and, and give them like 68 games. Yeah, there's there's such a wide band of outcomes here that I again mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is a smart one to bet. Um, but you know, with you're talking about the depth, I think the key will be for Steve Kerr to stagger. Uh, like he needs to have when Curry's on the bench, I think he should try to have Wiggins and Ubre out there. Yep as much as possible just so there are at least some guys that can get their own shot um and i think he'll do that yep uh, i just i think curry if curry is curry i think he's just good enough to to carry them that over but again i think it's a it's a tough one to go back mm-hmm. let's touch on the houston rockets who still do not have a line uh they they were at a 61.1 percent last year 50 win pace I, yeah i don't want to throw out like a fake line obviously we know why there is no line um, but like if, if there was something out there, like would, would, how comfortable are you in saying that, you know, this team, if, if James Harden sticks around, which he is currently still on the roster can be, you know, similarly dangerous to where they were in the regular season last year, where I think going into the playoffs, they had like the fourth highest odds to win the title. Like people still believed in the Rockets and obviously all that came crashing down in the second round. But I think in retrospect, we talk about that situation, like it was more of a disaster, than it really was for for much of the regular season, at least. Yeah, I I think even 
like I'm kind of assuming that Harden's gonna be on this team until the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and I am gonna pick them under that assumption. I'm gonna pick them to miss the playoffs in the West. Well, to to not finish with the top eight seed. I guess I guess the playing mm-hmm. game that they could they could be in that mix, but um, I think there are eight teams better than them uh, if we assume Harden gets traded before the deadline, which I think is a correct assumption. And um, it's just the, the, the team chemistry here is just going to be a complete disaster all mm-hmm. season. Like I, I think Mike D'Antoni, like last year, this team was still sort of like, we still have a chance. Um, the, the run's not over yet. Right. This I mean, year, they, they beat the Lakers in game one. Right. Like th- this year, everyone sort of knows that the run is over. Um, right. And, you know, any sort of effort you were getting from guys on defense, I think it, it's going to be tough to kind of get that from the non-PJ Tucker guys. It just sort of seems like there's a cloud hanging over this franchise of the rebuild being inevitable, but not fully underway. And I just don't th- I think it's going to be tough to get buy in from uh, a lot of yeah. the veterans under those circumstances. Plus, you're integrating guys like John Wall and Christian Wood and um just yeah i think it's gonna be kind of a mess until they finally um fully embrace the rebuild there i think the team could actually be pretty fun if and when they eventually trade Harden. you know that christian wood would likely still be there you know maybe john wall ends up looking like a, a reasonable facsimile of his former self like if they get a haul which if they do trade him they will um whether that's ben simmons or whether that's you know all the nets guys and picks like it's not going to be like they're not going to be in the OKC position where it's you're looking at like a three to five year, you know, type of build. I, I think they could bounce back fairly quickly and, and not be a title contender, but be a team that's at least pretty frisky. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think they they traded away so many picks. Um, yeah. Well, in theory, you're getting a lot of those back, I think, in this trade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I'm sort of expecting them to just be kind of not a fact like they could maybe sneak into the playoffs here and there but i i'm kind of expecting them to go like a decade without really being a a true contender um once they break this up for good um even if they get simmons yeah i mean i i think simmons plus like christian wood like you know eric Eric (laughs) when you put it that way maybe eric Eric gordon's a bad contract uh pj tucker wants out um so you know i maybe if if you get like lavert dinwiddie allen um a bunch of picks yeah i mean maybe they could get like frisky and get the playing game with that core but i I still think you're just you're not getting a superstar from the nets if you get simmons from the sixers i don't think you're getting the picks Mm-hmm. And then you're just kind of like a 40 win team with no draft picks. Um, yeah. So I, just, I don't, right. I, I don't see any way of painting the, the future as, as rosy for them. Um, even yeah. if they get a nice package for Harden. The Los Angeles Clippers, 68.1 win percentage last season. That was a 56 win pace. This number down slightly 65.5. That's a 54 win pace over 82, 47 wins uh, over 72 we're split on this one as well. You're going over and I'm going under. How about you explain your rationale first? So in general, I mean, I, I was very high 
on the Clippers last season. And and obviously that that proved to be incorrect, at least in the postseason. I, I'm not convinced that they have solved any of these issues. You know, I, other than Montrez Harrell, it seems like a lot of the guys that were involved in kind of the the old guard versus the new guard, you know, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams are still there and, and are still going to be in similar roles. I don't necessarily trust Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to take the necessary steps to you know, eradicate a lot of the issues that that clearly plagued this team last year. And, and then the major kicker for me, and, and I should say, I don't feel great about this under by any means, picking an under on a team that's that's led by Kawhi Leonard. But I, I think, you know, we're talking about teams that are going to be focused on the playoffs. I, I think the Clippers are at the top of that list as far as, you know, not going to be shy about rest days, limiting minutes. I mean, Paul George played, I think, under 30 minutes per game last season. He was banged up throughout uh, I, I think they pull back on on Leonard a little bit, who who slowed down, you know, by the end of that Denver series. I ju- I just think that they're they're certainly capable of hitting this over. I don't think they're going to really shoot for it. I, I think they they just want to be healthy. And when you have a superstar like Kawhi, who's won two titles, I mean, he's he's in that LeBron type of level. KD is on that level as well, where they just they don't really care about the regular season. You know, they're they're out there to to do what they have to do, but. I think they know that at this point for their legacy, the playoffs are all that matter. So I, I don't expect Kawhi to, to push himself any harder than he has in the last few years. Yeah, you know, I'm going over again. I, this is one where I, I probably wouldn't bet it just because you do probably have to assume Kawhi Leonard gets more rest days than pretty much any other superstar this season with all the, with the condensed schedule. Uh, but when they are at full strength, I think they're going to be even better than they were last year defensively. Um, I mean, they can put out some just devastating defensive lineups with this, Mm -hmm. this roster. Um, I think getting Doc Rivers out of there, hopefully allows them to play Vicha Zubac more like Doc just never really gave him as many minutes as he should have been getting last year. And uh, I think just having him and Ibaka as basically the, the center rotation there, is really going to help anchor that defense. And I mean, I think Paul George is going to play more than he did last season. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think at full strength that they might have like a top three, top four defense and probably right. a top 10 offense. So um, probably the second best roster in the league when they're at full strength and I'm just kind of banking on them taking care of business in enough of those games to go over uh, to make up for the ones that they might uh, miss when, when Kawhi sits, but yeah, it's, it's going to be close. I mean, I, I agree with you about the fact that they're going to be focused on the postseason, but I do think there's enough talent that they could still get to that over. I mean, it's like, it's not like we were talking about them in the regular season last year as just this awesome team. And mm-hmm. they're projecting them to be even worse this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't quite buy that. They definitely got more talented, that's for sure. I, I think replacing Harold with Ibaka is massive for for defensive purposes, and you know, even adding like Luke Kennard to be your seventh I, man, I think is huge. Like he's way overqualified for that. Yeah, I I forgot to mention Kennard. Yeah, I, I loved getting him. They kind of bought low on him. Um, they got they had to give up nothing either. What did they give up? Like Shamit. Yeah, like it, it seems like Troy Weaver basically is um, very, very dead set on putting his blueprint on this uh, on this Pistons roster and just kind of got rid of everyone that he didn't 
have a, a history with. And yeah, I think the I think the Clippers got a a guy that could uh I mean he might be as good, if not better, than Lou Williams already this year. Um yeah. and, and I don't think he's gonna be a great fit for them in the playoffs. Uh but in the regular season I think he'll be he'll be great for them. That was one of those trades that when it broke I feel like every other team in the league was like, dude, we would have beat that offer in two minutes. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of have to extend him. Uh, I, I don't think Detroit wanted to give Kennard the rookie extension he was looking for. Um, yeah. But I think, I think Steve Ballmer is just totally cool paying all the luxury tax in the world uh, going forward here. Um, the mean, Marcus Morris yeah. contract might've been the worst. I know we talked about I forget was it Hayward as maybe the worst contract or some of the Detroit contracts? Uh, Plumlee, I think Plumlee is even worse than Hayward personally. But, yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Well, like you know, like you know, the Morris contract's going to be terrible in like the last year, last two years. But um, I think they had bird rights on him, mm-hmm. and so it didn't really like all it really cost them was luxury tax money right. to to keep him, and I think. Like Steve Ballmer is so rich that even the repeater tax doesn't really phase him. So um, I just think they're going to be the most expensive roster in the league for the foreseeable future. Other, I mean, the Warriors are the most expensive roster this year, but um, after that, I think it'll just be the Clippers. I think they'll just be okay living in the tax. Mm-hmm. The LA Lakers, 73.2 win percentage last season, 60 win pace. Uh, their number just slightly higher than the Clippers at 66 0.5, that's a 55 win pace over 82, 48 win pace over 72. So again, we're seeing the odds makers be a, a little cautious with both LA teams, um, you know, kind of implying that, the, that they'll both take a step back. And I, I think a lot of that is probably load management related. You know, I've always tend to be pessimistic when it comes to teams that I root for, but I, I could not find a reason to go under on this. No, I was, I was honestly stunned by this line. Uh, I just from a, basketball sense i think that it's a clear over but also you usually see teams like the lakers get a bump from vegas because they know their fans are going to want to bet the over and i don't see that bump here really i i mean i think last year was the least talented that lebron ad roster is going to be and i think now it's just we could see sort of a mini dynasty here um with this lebron ad core where I just think they're going to be the class of the league when those two guys are are playing and it's, it's going to be such a like fine tuned machine where everyone knows exactly what's expected of them. There's no questions about like shots or, or role on the team. Um, You know, Frank Vogel like answered any questions there were about him last year. So like last year at this time we were talking about like Jason Kidd, maybe like getting like a mutiny going and and taking over that job. Jason Kidd. Yeah, like now it's just everything's smooth sailing. Um, and I, I think they got even better for the regular season with the, the Schroeder acquisition because now they could they could theoretically win a game that LeBron sits out oh, because yeah. they actually have someone that can handle the ball and, and kind of run the offense, mm-hmm. uh, which they didn't really have last year. And I think uh, the second unit, um, Schroeder, Harrell, pick and roll is going to be um, pretty devastating during the regular season against other team second units. They won't be able to turn to it really in the playoffs that much. Um, but, you know, th- I think it's a really deep roster. Um, 
I think the passing, like when you have Marc Gasol and LeBron out there, like th- this could be one of the best passing teams in the league. Uh, defensively, like y- you could probably almost always have Gasol or AD out there, um, which will help cover up for Harrell. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I-, I think they're going to have the best record in the league. I think that they are going to kind of make it look easy most nights, especially when LeBron's playing. Um, yeah. And I just think those minutes – when LeBron and AD are on the court, they're going to be the best team in the league. And, and I think they're going to maybe have some of those games like the Bucks have had the last couple of seasons where they blow the team out uh, in time to kind of let LeBron and AD rest in the fourth quarter. Right. Yeah. I'm with you on, on almost all that. I, I think it, it was just a very like on LeBron team off season for them. Like usually there's some sort of drama or, you know, they're, they're kind of the team that's in the Clippers position you know, trying to figure things out. Like it, it went suspiciously smoothly for the Lakers last season. And I, I don't, I wouldn't say, I don't think it's fair to the Lakers to say that they like stole the title last year. I would have picked the Clippers to beat the Lakers in the West finals, even, even after how they kind of laid down against Denver, if they had won game seven, I, I still think the Clippers could have beaten the Lakers. And then we're having a completely different conversation, but you know, they, they kind of have the benefit now of, of having won it last year, the pressure in a lot of ways, especially on Anthony Davis is kind of off. And, and I think that's going to enable them to, to kind of cruise even more this season, uh, like you implied. The other thing, too, no more JaVale McGee, no more Dwight Howard. So you eliminate, like, these two guys who, uh, at, look, at times Dwight was really good. I think that went about as well as it could have. They didn't make much of an effort to keep him for a reason. JaVale McGee didn't even play, I think, beyond, like, game one of the finals. Maybe not at all. Like, he, he was just so bad down the stretch they couldn't play him. And they were, I mean, they were giving those guys a combined, you know, 20 plus minutes, if not more per night. I, I'm not in love with current day Marcus Gasol. I, I think he looked pretty washed at, at a lot of times last season, but he's still a major upgrade. And there were so many times where, you know, they're starting the first seven, eight minutes of each game last year with JaVale McGee at center. And it was, it was just kind of comical at times. And I, I think they were throwing away some minutes of those games with, with him out there. So the upgrade at center is going to be huge. Um, and I know, you know, neither of us are like huge on the Montrez Harrell addition. I, I think they're going to run into similar problems in the playoffs that the Clippers did last year. But I think they view him as kind of a, a bridge piece in the regular season where, you know, the, he, he enables LeBron to sit a little bit more. He enables Anthony Davis to sit out a little bit more. Um, and, you know, he's going to go hard. You know, he kind of wants to stick it to the Clippers. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy that they got the number one and two finishers in six man of the year voting and the number one and two bench scores in the NBA. I mean, for, for a team that had a terrible bench last year, it's not quite a home run off season, but it's pretty close. Yeah. And I, I think Harold and true Schroeder have their, their problems, but not really in the regular season on this team. Yeah, like they're, well, not they're compared not to the guys be, who were playing last yeah, year. They're not going to be asked to do anything they can't do during the regular season. I think how they, how they go from like using Harrell in the regular season to ideally playing him like 12 minutes a game in the playoffs, like how they make that switch will be uh, a test for Frank Vogel. But I think in the regular season, it's just going to be smooth sailing. The overall level of basketball competency has, has been raised quite a bit around LeBron and AD. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That's why BetMGM has teamed up with Rotowire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six-month Rotowire subscription when they place their first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website, and once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length 
of RotoWire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. The Memphis Grizzlies, 46.6 win percentage last season. That was a 38-win pace. The number drops to 40.5. It's a 33-win pace over 82, 29-win pace over 72. We're both going under. I I will say this was one of my easiest unders on the board. Apologies to John Morant, but Jaron Jackson is out indefinitely to begin the year. You can basically pencil him in for 20 missed games in a normal season, let alone a condensed schedule. They also made zero roster moves, essentially, this this entire offseason. This, this to me, feels like they take a, a major step back after a pretty surprising season last year that, that obviously ended in disappointing fashion, not making the playoffs. But before the shutdown, I think they were one of the biggest surprises in the league. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they caught everyone by surprise and, and sort of overachieved and were sort of uh, ahead of schedule last year. And, you know, I think now you could look at them as a team that could finish with the second, second worst record in the conference this year, because mm-hmm. um, they need, Jaron Jackson out there uh, offensively to to stretch the court. So they're going into the year without him. You know, everything about Justice Winslow's hip injury seems sketchy and seems uh, like I don't know when we're going to see a good version of Justice Winslow. And then you start looking at the the depth issues that those two absences are going to cause early in the season. Uh, They're going to really have a hard time getting enough shooting out there really in any lineup. And it, it might mean that a guy like Grayson Allen like starts playing you know, 28 minutes a game, something like that, which could hurt the defense. Like there, there might be a little bit too much Kyle Anderson. I, I like Kyle Anderson plenty, but um, he might be a little overtaxed. Uh, asking Brandon Clark to, to stretch the way that Jaron Jackson stretches is, is maybe a bit of a tall order for him. So I just think the, the depth is really going to be tested. And if you just stack up this roster against teams like the the Kings, um, teams like the Pelicans, I mean, I just they just don't have as much talent as the Pelicans. They they might have just as much talent as the Kings. Um, they're less healthy. They you know the Suns are going to be better. The Warriors are going to be better. I just think last year was kind of they caught lightning in a bottle, and maybe people got a little overexcited. This will be a fallback to reality, and then next year they might take a leap again and, and kind of right. get back into that playoff mix i wouldn't be surprised if they finish 14th in the western yeah. conference at all i i think that's i honestly i think that's pretty likely like you said when you start stacking up the rosters it's not good and like the starting five isn't great either it's not like they're the warriors where they have this you feel you really like four or five guys like i, I like two and a half three guys in that starting five I, i'm not a dylan brooks guy kyle anderson has not really been the same player since he he's been there I think it's going to be a great year for John Morant to be a good stats, bad team guy. I think he's going to look great. Um, but there's going to be a lot of frustrating nights when, you know, the guys he's kicking to in the corner are, you know, Marco Gudaric and, you know, Jalil Tripp. Like, that's that's the kind of depth that we're talking here. Like, they have 
borderline like G League level guys who are going to be their like eighth, eighth, ninth, tenth men. Ultimately, though, I, I don't think that's the worst thing long term. You know, if, if Memphis is picking third or fourth in the 2021 draft mm-hmm. and you had to have a chance to add another major piece alongside Morant and Jackson, I, I think that's probably for the best. Right. And I think assuming that they're kind of as slow out the gates as I expect them to be, I just don't I don't see this team pushing too hard to get into that play in game. I think that they might kind of lean into it a little bit, um, give Justice Winslow and like Jaron Jackson days off if they need them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just think it all sort of sets up for them to kind of have a top five, top six pick. The Minnesota Timberwolves, 29.7 win percentage last season, 24 win pace. The number jumps up to 41.5. That's a 34 win pace, a 30 win pace over 72 games. I'm a little surprised this number isn't a little bit higher when you compare it to Memphis. I mean, it's only a, you know, what is it, tenth of a percentage point? I don't know how the stuff works. 41.5 compared to 40.5. With that said, we're both taking the under on Minnesota. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of names on this roster, but they're they're kind of on my list with the Knicks, where it's just like an auto under essentially until they prove otherwise. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If, if we had just bet the Knicks and Timberwolves unders for the last decade, uh, the, that'd be a pretty nice chunk of change. Um, yeah. I just think this roster is a, is a total mess. Uh, defensively, I mean, they are just. It's basically Ricky Rubio and Josh Akogi are like their only capable defenders on this roster. And they're also bad shooters who aren't going to stretch the floor. So uh, you you have to make the choice of do we want our offense to be um, like a top 10 unit and have the worst defense in the league? Or do we want to just have like a bottom six defense and like a middle of the pack offense? Like, that's the choice they're going to have to make every night. And I don't think there's any evidence that Saunders is going to lead this team to more wins than they have on paper. Um, I don't know. I I just think Carl Anthony Towns is, is, has become just such an enigma because he's unbelievably talented offensively and so, so bad defensively for a guy with his size and his length. I mean, maybe he can improve there. I mean, I know that he was trying harder on defense early in the year than he was later in the year last year. Um, So he's probably more kind of in the middle there. But um, I I just think the defense is going to be so bad. Mm. Um, They're another team where it's like they're not realistically going to be in the mix probably for that play-in game towards the end of the year. So there might be another pick for them to, to kind of. Right. Try to try to move up to get it, any minutes they give Anthony Edwards are going to be bad minutes and he's the number one overall pick. So you kind of assume he's going to get around 30 minutes a game and that's just going to be a huge negative whenever he's on the court. Um, yep. So it's just it's tough to see, given the players that they are building around, like they love D'Angelo Russell. They love Anthony Edwards now. Um, those guys are terrible defenders. Carl Towns is a terrible defender. Um, I just, it's just a mess. I, I think on paper, they might have the pure talent to go over, but I just think they don't have the coach to really maximize this roster and they don't have the, like, they're not going to make Anthony Edwards earn his minutes. Right. Like, I think that that's something. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think they absolutely have the talent 
to hit the over. I don't, that's not a question yeah. for me at all. I just don't trust any of the talent. Like every single guy, you know, who's in their top five or six players has like a major drawback to his game, you know, and I, I think they've, they, they added to the overall talent level, you know, retaining Beasley, bringing in Rubio, drafting Edwards. I just hate the fit for all that. And you don't want, I'm not saying they should have drafted for need at, at number one, but you have a huge hole at power forward. And that that's another thing. I, I don't like teams that have a position that is just a glaring hole and you don't really have a way to fill it. You know, it's not like you can even play towns there and then you have a great backup center. You know, it's like, who's, who's going to be absorbing these minutes at the four? Like it's going to be apologies to Jake Lehman, but he hasn't played in, in like over a year at this point, he was hurt basically all of last year. You're starting Juan Hernan Gomez, you know, Nas Reed was kind of like a half G leaguer last year. He was, he was filling in for towns. They have like all this backcourt depth, but it doesn't really fit together. I, I think I'm totally with you on Edwards. We'll see what his long-term ceiling is. He's not going to help you this year. And I don't think it's going to help him that you're essentially forcing him out of position when you brought in Rubio, you know, so now Russell has to play the two and, and Edwards is going to be kind of undersized on the wing. Like he was already going to have trouble if he was playing his natural position. And now because you brought back Rick, Ricky Rubio for nostalgic reasons and really no other reason you're, <laughs> you know, I, I just think they're, they're trying to do so many things at once. You're trying to keep towns happy. You're paying Malik Beasley, who's right. coming off the bench for you, I guess. Now you're bringing back this 31 year old point guard who really, you know, historically has not been a great shooter. You're also trying to develop the number one pick. Who's a ball dominant scorer. None of those things work well together at all. I, I just see this blowing up in their face pretty early on. Yeah, and you have last year's top ten pick, Jared Culver, who tried to trade this summer. Terrible. Like, like yeah, yeah, I mean, um, and and you have guys like like Edwards and Beasley are just gunners, and every time those guys shoot, it's a time that Carl Anthony Towns is not shooting, and it's yeah, I, I think it's gonna be um, kind of more of the same. And the problem is like they they got really lucky um, to get the number one pick, but like they got it in a draft where you didn't want the number one pick. And now that you're going to have Towns and Russell there all season, they're probably going to be just good enough to not get another super high pick. Like they're, right. they're probably going to pick like eight. Um, so they're, they're just in a really bad spot. I, I think the other thing too, that we haven't mentioned, I mean, Towns for the first time, you know, showed some health limitations last season. I mean, he was basically an 82 game guy every year and then misses, you know, a huge chunk of time last season he has multiple members of his family pass away from coronavirus this offseason. Like, you haven't heard anything about, like, man, Carl Towns looks like he's really a beast this offseason. Like, I, I'm I'm not 100% sold that we're going to just go back to, like, borderline number one overall fantasy player Carl Towns right away. So, even like, you can't even count on that. There's just so much stacked up against this team. Agreed. The New Orleans Pelicans, 41.7 win percentage last season, 34 win pace. Oh my God, this this number is at 48.5. Uh, I, I think you have this earmarked as as kind of a stay away. If, if I can, uh, if I'm judging your like fonts yeah, and what yeah. uh, correctly yeah. here, I'm going uh, under. I I hate this number. I, I'm going way under. So I what I need is I need to see like two minutes of Zion in the preseason before I can lock in uh, mm. the under. Like if if he looks like he did in like summer league last year, then all of a sudden the over is in play. Yes. But if he looks at all like he did down the stretch this, this past year, then it's, then you lock in the under and you start worrying about his long-term health. But 
you know, theoretically there's no restrictions and he's, I would assume he's been working on his conditioning and stuff in the off season. So I don't want to just rule out us getting the, the breakout Zion season, which, which might carry them to the over, but uh, they, they're going to need him to basically play like an all-star to hit that over. They're going to have him, Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe on the court at the same time. Uh, and, so that and like Lonzo Ball like improved as a shooter last year, but I don't think he's some some dead eye. He's really stretching the floor by himself, and I think you probably gotta bake in a little bit of regression for Brandon Brandon Ingram in terms of three point shooting. So this is another team. I mean, I almost want to look into this. I feel like there are like six teams that are punting on shooting this year, and then the rest of the teams are trying to get as much shooting as possible, and. The Pelicans, I mean, they, they still have J.J. Redick. Yeah. Uh, but, man, they, they just do not have much shooting, which is crazy considering they have Zion and Steven Adams as their front court of the future now by contract. Like, they, they signed up to have that as their front court of the future, and there's just not a ton of shooting mm-hmm. uh, next to those guys and that they really need it. You have three non-shooters in the starting lineup. I'm counting Bledsoe in there. Yeah. It's bizarre. I, I, it, could, you put, could you draw up, like, a worse combination next to Lonzo? Than Eric Bledsoe. I mean, defensively, I, I guess they'll be fine. But you know, you're, you're playing like a six foot guy at shooting guard off the ball now. Uh, not a guy who's a spot up shooter whatsoever. Was very hesitant to do that in Milwaukee. I just, I mean, we know about the Zion love. Like this, this to me is the one number that seems like they're taking the public into account. You know, like the Lakers and the Clippers didn't really get that. This just feels like the Zion bump. Like th- you really think this team is six six wins better than last year's. Uh, on an 82 game pace like you lost your most important player maybe not your best player your highest upside player but you lost your most important player in drew holiday and like didn't really replace him you know you you, you brought in Bledsoe. that's kind of a patch uh, I, I think ingram i think ingram could be as good as he was last year i don't know that he has like another tatum type of leap in him and the other thing with him is he he played dramatically worse when zion came back yeah i i think he's just going to be worse than he was because I, I think the fit with him and Zion is, is pretty mm-hmm. bad. And are we sure David Griffin's good? Cause like you look at the, the Jackson Hayes pick last year was terrible. Like it was terrible at the time. And it looks even worse now. Um, the fact that he went out of his, like I thought the thunder to get off of that Steven Adams contract, I thought they were going to have to attach a pick or something. They ended up getting picks for him. Like, well, and, then they, and then they re-signed him. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea what he's doing. Like, I get that Zion is terrible defensively and like you need someone next to him, but uh, Miles Turner was available. Um, I think you need someone who can stretch out and let Zion just bully his way to the rim, not, not be standing on the block while he's trying to do that. Right. They had the ammo to go trade for Miles Turner and there's just, you know, locking in Adams long-term just makes no sense to me. Um, Yeah. So I, I think, like David Griffin, I think he did a good job negotiating the AD trade to really squeeze the Lakers for everything he could. Um, but other than that, I don't really know what you point to as like some uh, savvy move that he made. So on the JJ Redick pod this past week, he he said Zion looks great. Like conditioning is you know much better than it's been. So I'm I'm not even super worried about Zion himself. I just even if he comes back and is giving them like 28 and eight every single night i i don't know that that ultimately moves the needle like they were barely a 500 team with him before the shutdown and became a a sub 500 team with him 
counting the bubble. Like he's he's basically going to be a rookie. I mean, he played 19 games last year. I, I don't know that he's going unless he dramatically improves defensively. Like that's where he was really killing them last year. Unless he really makes a leap on that end, even if he stays healthy most of the year and puts up great counting stats, I, I'm not sure he's like a, a guy who like dramatically boosts your win total right away. Yeah, I mean, you you almost have to you almost have to try to like stagger Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams somehow, <laughs> like like just get Redick out there yeah. for as much as you possibly can whenever Steven Adams is out there. Um, just I was to shocked get they, some... didn't, they didn't move Bledsoe. Like I thought once they got him from Milwaukee that he'd be rerouted for somebody. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, you know, Eric Bledsoe is a better player than George Hill, but I think George Hill arguably fits the roster Absolutely. better. Could you could you have turned Eric Bledsoe into Seth Curry? Um, I don't remember how far Josh Richardson his contract goes out. Um, I know they want to obviously keep the 2021 space dry, but um, I mean they could have unloaded. I think Bledsoe is paid. Like they wouldn't have had to attach an asset, I don't think, to get off of Bledsoe. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's like they knew that their defense needed to be better, um, and they just kind of went after defensive-minded guys. But I think in doing so, they're weakening their offensive upside. And mm. yeah, I mean, I think this just looks like in an 82-game season, this kind of looks like a 39-40 win-ish team, maybe if everything goes well from a health standpoint and Zion like I'll believe that Zion can handle a full season when it happens um and I'm, I'm sure he does look great I mean at when he when he's looked good over the past couple of years he's looked absolutely dominant but um it's just we, we haven't really seen him be able to stay healthy for a full season yeah major major question mark the Oklahoma City Thunder 61.1 win percentage last year that was a 50 win pace uh, this number almost cut in half down to 33.5%. Uh, that's a 27 win pace for 82. Uh, the implied win total for 72 is 24. Uh, that is four five wins lower than the next lowest, uh, which is the Grizzlies and the Kings are both at 29. I think that's appropriate. Uh, I also think that number is probably a little bit higher than it should be. You and I both going under on the Thunder. Yeah, I, I think... It's probably between them, probably between them and the Knicks for who has the worst roster in the league. Um, they have the bet, better top end talent. Like Shea's better than anyone on the Knicks. I mean, Al Horford might still be better than anyone on the Knicks. Uh, but the the fact that, like, I don't know what, like, the last time we saw George Hill in a situation like this, it was Sacramento, and he was terrible. Um, Al Horford. I, he doesn't strike me as having that sort of Chris Paul mentality of like, oh, I'm in this terrible situation, but I'm going to go make the best of it. Like, yeah. I think he might just kind of sulk and um, not be very happy uh, this season. You look at the guys, the young players they're asking to kind of step up in the backcourt and on the wing. I mean, they're all just extremely flawed in one way or the other. And yeah. I think that Sam Presti has full buy-in from ownership to do kind of whatever he wants. And I think he's finally 
reach the point where he's going to bottom completely out and try to get a couple top three picks in a row here and, and really kind of try to build this next foundation. And, and I mean, they have an extremely bright future, but I think the writing on, is on the wall here that they're going to be extremely bad this year. Right. I mean, outside of SGA, how many guys on this roster would you even want on the team in two or three years? Maybe Lou Dort? Maybe? I think you'd want Lou. I, I, loved, I loved what I saw from Lou Dort last year, but mm-hmm. he's a specialist. Like, he's right. just a he's just a defense-only type of guy. Right. He's a new Robinson. Um, you, right. Um, I mean, I, you, you hope you want Pokashevsky, but he's not going to play much at all this year. I mean, I think he's going to spend probably the whole year in the G League. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to look a lot better in a couple of years. I also think, you know, so I've, I've seen like Shea gets a ton of love in, uh, like fantasy this year because it's like, oh, he's just, he's going to be such a high usage and everything like that. I don't think he's ready to be this high, this super high usage ball dominant, like offensive focal point i mean i think he's gonna have to be because that's right they have no other choice do but i just don't think it's gonna be a very effective uh thing on the court like i I think he'll get his numbers just by default but i think his efficiency is gonna really take a hit and um i just think the loss of chris paul really cannot be overstated i mean you could argue he was a top 10 player in the league last year um nobody really saw him staying healthy the whole season which he did, but it just, it allowed um, guys like SGA to really sort of thrive in their roles. And you're going, not only are you going from CP to SGA, but you're going from SGA to Hamadou Diallo and you're going from uh, Danilo Gallinari to Darius Baisley, like the, the drop-offs you're seeing across the positional spectrum here are just massive. Right. And I, I think part of the reason that, you know, and Rotowire is pretty high on SGA as well is you don't even, there's not even like a gunner, to take shots or possessions away from him. Like everyone else on the roster, you know, Dort is a defense guy. You know, you're looking at like the small forward depth chart. We have 13 players that could potentially play small forward for them. And they're like Justin Jackson, Hami Diallo, Baisley, Darius Miller, Admiral Schofield. Like they're all just like bit players. You know, none of those guys are, are like, if like if Dylan Brooks was playing shooting guard for this team, he might average 30 a game because he would just take 32 <laughs> shots a game. Like none of these guys are the type of players who are going to hunt their own shot, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from SGA. I think the efficiency is going to drop by default. I think he's probably going to be robbed of a lot of would-be assists because these guys are not great shooters. Um, I, I think this hits the under pretty comfortably. They're gonna they're gonna lead the league in shot clock violations. Oh yeah, because nobody's going to want to shoot. <laughs> where where do you where would you place this number if you had to do an implied win total? The the current one is twenty four. Um. I'm trying to do that like 82 game. Like, so I, I would, 82, I would maybe 82 say, game pace is 27 implied wins. I'd say maybe like 19. Yeah. Like in, in an 82 game season. I mean, they're just, yeah, they're just going to be, they're going to be underdogs in every single game they play. Um, and you have a new coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're going to like, it's a nice the, the nice thing that they have from a developmental standpoint is they're going to be able to like give Ty Jerome opportunities and give like Justin Jackson and guys like that like they're going to actually be able to play and they'll just see does this guy have anything if not then we'll just move on but 
you know, maybe they hit on one of those guys who's just kind of been a cast off somewhere else. So that the one thing they have at their disposal is minutes. Like Kendrick Williams, I could see like emerging as like a top six player on this team or something with the minutes. Um, so that it's going to be nice from a developmental standpoint, but they're just going to by default just lose almost every game. Right. The Phoenix Suns, 46.6 win percentage last season. That was a 38 win pace over 82. This number vaults up to 52.5. That is a 43 win pace over 82, 38 over 72. I, I thought I took the over on this, but it, the sheet says under. So I will be making a case <laughs> for the under. I swear I had the over. You have the over. Let's uh, change on, 30, on 38. Um, I, I don't know. I must have been really concerned about Chris Paul's health when we went through this the first time. Uh, we we kind of we did him and then we you know covered him up and, and left him alone for a couple of days. I have concerns about it, though. I, I guess if, if I have to put myself in this in this chair now, you, you mentioned it with the Thunder. Nobody thought Chris Paul would miss two games. Both of those were voluntary last season. I don't see that happening again. I, you know, hopefully he avoids missing 25 games with, with a hamstring or a groin or whatever it might be. But I, I just really can't see him staying that healthy uh, in a condensed season. But with that said, I, I feel more strongly about the over at this point. I, I think do you think this Sun supporting cast is better than what he had last season in OKC? Is that even up for debate? Yeah, I'd say it's better. Um, I think it's better overall. I think, uh, I mean, he's a vegan though now. Are, are, do vegans even get hurt? Is that like that's a good possible to get hurt if you're a vegan? Um, he, he has spoken I, extremely highly about how that's changed things. Um, yeah, I mean, you could totally picture like Chris Paul, like two weeks into the season, suffers like a huge injury, and everyone's just like, "Oh yeah, of course, like, of course." Um, but I mean, I think if he stays as close to as healthy as he was last year, I think they kind of cruise to the over, right? Like, I mean, they just yeah, the, the pieces. I, I, I think the pieces fit really, really well. Uh, you know, McCall Bridges is an awesome defensive wing who is a low usage guy on offense, which fits perfectly. He's just going to sit around and gun threes and play really good defense. Um, I, I like the depth a lot. I mean, I think they, they have a nice sort of four men out unit um, that they can put out there next to Deandre Ayton. I think Chris Paul working with Deandre Ayton is going to be just huge for Ayton. Uh, he's never played with anyone um, close to that good at distributing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to, I think Devin Booker's just going to have a, a monster year. Like, I think Devin Booker's going to be uh, no doubt all-star. Um, yeah, I, I just – I know it's a big leap, but, I mean, the way they were playing in the bubble, um, I mean, they, they have legitimate depth uh, at yeah. every position. And, yeah, I think I think things line up uh, pretty well for them to – you know, I, I think they could maybe even miss the play-in games. Like, they, they might yeah, be able I to get very a fifth or sixth seed in the West. So, I think it's um, it's a good time to be a Suns fan, finally. I mean, talent-wise, they're uh, possibly above Portland. I mean, obviously, I, I think Dame is the best player between those two teams, but they have they have much more depth. You know, the, the only piece, essentially, that you don't bring back from last year's bubble team is Rubio, and you upgrade at that position with Chris Paul. You also add Jay Crowder. Uh, they're they're super deep uh, at small forward and power forward. You know, brought back Dario Saric, Cam Johnson. I think looks better than at least I expected him to look last year. Bridges is is blossoming into one of the better defenders in the league. 
I, I would like this team a little more if they had taken Tyrese Halliburton at 10. But at the same time, I, I kind of respect that they called their shot with Jalen Smith. I mean, they obviously saw something and he is an older player. Like in, in theory, I think they see him, you know, really helping them as, as like a, a low minute backup center. The, they're, uh, they're kind of on a heater of, of calling their shot in the draft. Yeah. Um, they hit on Cam Johnson when everyone was making fun of him. So they're like, yep. see, we're just smarter than you guys. You guys <laughs> just don't get it. Um, we're going to do it again. And yep. yeah, I think Tyrese Halliburton would have been a way better pick, but, uh, that's not gonna that might cost him like one win yeah. this year. So counterpoint, we both love the Josh Jackson pick. <laughs> yeah. Um we both did not like the DeAndre Ayton pick, but well, I, I still love DeAndre Ayton. I didn't like I didn't like who was picked two spots after him. We'll just leave it at that. The Portland Trailblazers, forty seven point three was their win percentage last season, thirty nine win pace. This number jumps up to 55.5. That's a 46 win pace over 82, 40 win pace over 72. This was an easy over for me, and, and you're taking the over as well. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to like not just get too excited about this Blazers team, but I I just love it. I I haven't liked what they've done during the offseason uh, for like most of the past like five or six years. But they just they just crushed this, I think. Um, Nurkic might be one of the most underrated players in the league. Like I think he's just an absolute stud uh, on both ends. Like you you know so you know when you have Dame and CJ, you're gonna have a top like seven or eight offense just by having those two. And so to have Nurkic, Covington, Derek Jones Jr. as your front court is just it it's so perfect to me. Like you you can guard pretty much any other teams front court with those three guys and um you know having sort of designated hitters like Carmelo Anthony and and his Cantor off the bench like we've seen Cantor have success in Portland um briefly in the past and I think uh Terry Stotts's defensive scheme is is a way to then kind of hide Cantor on defense a little bit um but just kind of asking him to protect the rim and, and nothing else and then he can just be a beast for like 18 minutes a game on offense. Um, Zach Collins, like last year, we were talking about Zach Collins having to be their starting power forward playing out of position. Now, like anything they get out of Collins is basically just gravy. And Gary Trent also emerged uh, down the stretch last year as a, mm-hmm. a pretty good two-way player. Rodney Hood as like your seventh or eighth man, I think is totally fine. Um, so I, I think if this, if this team can stay relatively healthy, I think they have a chance to win a couple playoff series. And I just, I really yeah. think this, this could be kind of James version of like Dirk's 2011 Mavs where just the pieces just kind of come together perfectly and, and yep. make for kind of a magical season. I could, I could really see that happening. So I didn't, I didn't think at all I was going to take the over kind of no matter where it was. Like I, I think they could really surprise a lot of people by how good they are this year. I feel like they're still one piece away from really being like a dark horse title contender, but this is the best overall roster. I think that Dame's had at least in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a perfectly clear hierarchy too. Like you, Dame and CJ played perfectly off each other. Nurkic doesn't really seem to get in the way, still gets his numbers. Covington is more than happy to just defend bomb threes, rebound, get steals. Gary Trent, perfect spot up shooter. And then you have Rodney hood who, you know, coming off of an Achilles, who knows, but 
if he can just give you anything uh, as a scorer off the bench, I think that's huge. And th- their depth was so bad last season, and they've, they've kind of remedied that. And and I think the emergence of Trent has been huge because Anthony Simons has just kind of fallen off a cliff. I, I think he's the guy that we thought would maybe be in that position as like their first guard off the bench right now. And if anything, he's kind of taken a step back in his development. I, I don't know what the move is, but yeah, if, if they're a team that I think like at the deadline, if they could pick up, I don't know, like if they could find a way to like buy low on Oladipo or, or somebody like that, where you just, I, I think they're like one more swing piece away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe just, yeah, maybe just like one more wing, um, mm. something kind of like, you know, like the Clippers trading for Marcus Morris last year right. or something like that. Um, you know, so is is Carmelo, has Carmelo kind of embraced the Vince Carter stage of his career? Like nobody thought he, he could. Is that is that where we're at? I, he I even mean, turned I, down, I love, he turned down number seven for Brandon Roy and wants to stick with double zero. Like old Melo wouldn't it. do that. I love it. I'm, yeah, he, I'm he excited be, for this. He's coming off the bench. It's going to be... It'll it'll be frustrating at times if he's playing more than Derek Jones Jr. But um, yeah, I mean, I I thought it was great. Like watching him hit big shots for the Blazers in the bubble last year, and like his reaction and his teammates' reaction. I mean, it just it was mm-hmm. great to watch. Um, I think they're they got to be you know top five, top six league pass team this year. Absolutely. No question. And we should mention this line has dropped uh, by by about a win in yeah. the last week for some reason. I, I have no idea why that would be. The Sacramento Kings, 43.1 win percentage a season ago. That was a 35-win pace. This number sits at 40 and a half. So 33-win pace over 82, a 29-win pace over 72. Uh, as we mentioned before, that's tied with the Grizzlies for the second lowest implied win total doesn't matter. I'm going under. The Kings are are very firmly in the Knicks territory. Auto under every single year. Nine times out of ten, you're going to win that bet. Yeah, I mean, the I'm kind of using the same theory here that I had with the Bulls in the Eastern Conference, where you have a, a new front office that gets kind of a, a free opportunity to go get as high of a draft pick as they can in year one. And, I mean, I think... The background at Eve would probably admit that, you know, they, they Marvin Bagley is not the second star next to De'Aaron Fox and that they need to go get that second star somehow uh, in the draft. Um, and you just look at the, the Western Conference. I mean, there's some talent on this roster, but I mean, they're clearly like bottom three, bottom four in the West. Uh, they're not going to be close enough to push for the play-in game, so they're probably going to go the other direction. And uh, I could see them trading pretty much every veteran on this roster before the deadline. I think that they were really in a tough spot by what Vlade Divac did with the Buddy Heald extension. And I think they kind of did the only thing they could do, and that's try to rehab Heald's value by giving him those opportunities. I mean, he still can be in a, a really good offensive player. And I think if you let him get back to the form he showed like two years ago, you might be able to trade him without attaching an asset to get off of that. And I think that that's like kind of their only hope versus trading him now when his value is at its absolute lowest. I just don't think that was really an option for them. So, I mean, I think he's going to put up good numbers. Um, but at the end of the day, like, 
Hassan Whiteside's there. I mean, he's the. I was waiting for you to bring the, that up. He's the reason I went under on the Blazers last year, and I mean, I'll just pretty much go under any team Hassan Whiteside's on, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think it, this is kind of a bottom six or seven team in the league. It, it was kind of a, inevitable that the Kings were going to bring him back. How many guys have the best year of their career statistically? And like by all accounts, obviously he's not a winning player, but that that went pretty well in Portland basically get the veterans minimum deal with the Kings. Like there was no interest whatsoever. And yeah, as soon as they brought him back, I, that sealed the under for me as well. It it went well for him in the box score. It didn't right. go well for the Blazers in the win-loss column. Yeah. Notice that as soon as Nurkic came back after missing like six months, <laughs> he immediately yeah. played 12 minutes a game. Right. <clears throat> All right. And, San Antonio. And they, and they look like a completely different, like a, just yes. a completely different team. Much better team. San Antonio, 45.1 last season. That was a 37-win pace. The number is 41.5. That's a 34-win pace, 30-win pace, over 72. So the oddsmakers see the Spurs as as barely better than the Sacramento Kings. Uh, you and I are a little more optimistic. We're both going over on this one. This is another number that's moved down slightly uh, over the last week. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to be super optimistic, I guess, about the Spurs roster, but I, I think the baseline level of competency for the Spurs versus the Kings is so much higher, even, even in, with LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan kind of on the downslopes uh, of their of their prime and, and with Aldridge, maybe his career, given his age. I, I just I like the Spurs so much more in basically every facet of the game on and off the court. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that like Greg Popovich has kind of lost his fastball a little bit, but still an accomplishment, I think, to have them at a you know 45% winning percentage last year. And yeah. I think like I think the young players are gonna make more of an improvement than the old players will a decline. Like I think, you know, Murray, White, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, um like all Devin Vassell, like all those guys are going to be a little bit better than they were last year. Um, obviously, Vassell's a rookie, but the, the other four are going to be a little bit better than they were last year. I think, you know, Aldridge, DeRozan, you kind of know what you're getting. Like it's not a, a formula to getting into the playoffs, but I think it's a formula for being pretty competitive every night. And yeah, I just think the, the talent on the roster, you know, the coaching staff, the, um, continuity this is just a bit too disrespectful on the part of the the DraftKings yeah. sportsbook um not a not a playoff team but i think they'll they'll get this over yeah i, I think if DeRozan stays healthy which he usually does uh, that that raises the tides quite a bit uh, i think murray takes a step forward you know white is hurt right now we'll see how much time he misses but i, I think lamarcus aldridge missing 18 games last year including 14 of the final 15 kind of doomed them you know Trey Lyles was out as well he had that appendicitis I think it was late in the year um I mean they basically ran out of big men and still played pretty well in the bubble and and the silver lining was it gave us a look at guys like Keldon Johnson who had very little opportunity before the shutdown and and he looked pretty good I mean I I don't think it's reasonable to to say like this guy's now like an NBA caliber starter right away but I think they seem to have found something there at least and and we'll see what what the cell turns into but overall I'm, I'm I'm with you completely i I'm not ruling the Spurs out. I, I think they could be in the mix for the play-in tournament. I, I think you really you can't cross a team out that that has two capable veterans and Greg Popovich. But overall, like we've seen the Spurs in years past get a two or three win bump, maybe relative to where they should be. And it just feels like they didn't get that at all this year. 
they're kind of like the exact opposite of the Timberwolves, where mm-hmm. like you just look at the talent on paper, and you probably give the Timberwolves a bit of an edge. But when you look at how the talent fits, and you look at like the coaching staff and just the types of players on the roster, you kind of want to give this Spurs team the benefit of the doubt, whereas you don't want to give the Timberwolves any benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's implied in our picks that we think the Spurs will be better than the Timberwolves, right? Yeah. The numbers are both 30 for implied wins. Yeah, I I think they will. All right, we finish out our 30th team out of 30, the Utah Jazz. 61.1 win percentage a year ago. They were part of that glut of teams in the West uh, that was all bunched up, you know, four, five, six. Uh, Five or 57.5, excuse me, is the win percentage for this season. That's a 47 win uh, pace over 82 and 41 implied wins over 72. For me, hard to see why this drops down. You know, three projected wins over 82. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't make any any massive additions or anything like that. But I feel pretty comfortable taking the over. You're going over as well. Uh, and this is a line that has moved down like two percentage points in the last week. So the the implied win total I think was. Uh, 43 wins over 72 and, and again now it's down to 41 so you know I 43 makes it a little bit harder I guess but uh, this is yet another one where it's kind of hard to see why the line is moving in that direction yeah I mean the continuities here I mean they, their top eight guys are you know about as good as anyone's top eight guys uh, they don't have the same sort of top end talent as the Lakers but I mean, they're going to be giving very few minutes to guys who are not uh, above average for where they are on the depth chart. And everyone knows their role. Um, you know, they, their backup center minutes last year really hurt them. And I think getting favorite, like they overpaid to get favors to come in because they had to overpay him to accept a backup role and everything. But I mean, they're, they're just going to be extremely stout defensively with mm-hmm. him as their backup center and, uh con like last year you know mike conley played terrible for the first like month or or six weeks or whatever it was and then he really kind of rounded into form and so i i'm kind of expecting him to pick up where he left off and just be kind of the steady mike conley we were expecting all season last year right i almost feel like that's their big addition him and getting bogdanovich back from injury he wasn't in the bubble i i think Mike Conley played about as badly as possible. And even his good stretches last season were were well below what you would expect from Mike Conley. And it's not like he's 36 years old and he just, you know, he just lost it. Like, I, I really do think there's a pretty good chance he bounces back and, and looks more like the Mike Conley of old this year, which would be huge. Like I said, Bogdanovich coming back is big. I, I still don't love a lot of their depth on the wing. Um, you know, at, at guard, they brought back Jordan Clarkson, maybe a little bit of an overpay. You know, me, Jordan and I have had our run-ins over the years, well, but... It's a great fit there. He seems to fit in well yeah. there. I mean, the Jazz have to sort of overpay everyone uh, that yeah. they sign to get him to come there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he's exactly what they need in that six-man scorer role. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't mind their depth. Like, once you get past Ingles, like, you know, you don't want to be given George Niang many minutes, obviously, but... You know, they're, they're top eight guys, I think, are, you know, you yeah. have Favors as the backup big, Ingles as the backup wing, and Clarkson as the backup guard. I mean, I think that that's, I think that's all fine. Do you feel like their playoff ceiling at the end of the day is any higher than it was last year, though? 
Well, I think that they are, I think that they are talented enough that if they get the right draw in the bracket, they could go to the conference finals. Like, I mean, I think the Jazz could beat the Nuggets. I mean, they they were. It looked like that that shot from Mitchell was down, and they almost did beat the Nuggets this past year. Um, like, they could beat a team like the Nuggets, like the Blazers. I mean, who knows? Like, the Clippers could melt down, maybe. Like, I don't see this team getting past the Lakers in the playoffs. Um, and if any of those, like, if any of those teams, like, if the Mavs are just clicking on all cylinders, like, I don't see them beating them, or. If the Clippers are clicking, I don't see them beating them. But like they could beat some of those, like the Sun. If they play the Suns and like the Nuggets to get to the conference finals, I think they could do that. All right, I'm with you on all accounts there. This does it. That's all 30 teams, James. We have preseason action tonight, uh, kind of coming out of nowhere. Do you? Where do you stand on the NBA preseason? Like, do you make a point to watch any of these games? In a normal year, absolutely not. Um, but and you know realistically my wife's probably not gonna let me watch uh preseason basketball tonight but mm-hmm. i'll be very interested in like checking in on like the highlights and stuff like that because you know there was no summer league so the last time we saw most of these prospects was a long time ago and just guys like curry guys like zion um guys like kd like i don't know how many of those guys are going to play in the preseason but there's just a lot of players where we just don't necessarily know where their talent level is at right now. And I think mm-hmm. that, that that makes this year's preseason more interesting than any other preseason. Um, but that said, I mean, I, I probably won't be able to justify getting it on the TV here at home. Yeah. Cl- classic your wife. Am I right? <laughs> Typical yeah, wife. What thing. are you going to do? <laughs> All yeah. right, man. I appreciate you taking the time this week to, to do this pod. Always a great time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.